tinfoil hat. Oh, what the fuck are you guys even talking about? Global controls will have to be imposed. And a world governing body will be created to enforce them. Welcome to Tinfoil Hat. We, we, we go deep, homeboy. Eric, open your mind. Drink from the fountain of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. That's some interdimensional shit. Wake up, Aaron. This is only the beginning. Dude, you just blew my mind. Are you ready to get your mind blown? Good morning, Swarm, and welcome to Tim Fall Hat. You know I am. You know I'm here to do. I'm here to rock. Well, yeah, you took it away from me. Okay, yeah. No, it's fine. I was just that, in you, glory of you, my Dude, fun. that was great. Yeah, thank you, dude. Sometimes I just get in the zone, you know. Join me as always, Xavier Guerrero and Jay Nice, Johnny Woodard. How are you guys? Dumbfounded by that. By that, that good morning. Well, yeah, it was pretty powerful. Sometimes I hit it and I could feel it, and I'm just like, get out of my way. You think like Alicia Keys or or M- Michael Jackson ever felt that? And they no, just yeah, I do. I had it. a moment where I'm like, whoa, I'm well, just in exactly, the zone. I would, ex- I would. That's exactly what I would. I would have compared you to Alicia Keys in that moment. Yeah, exactly. yeah. I was in the, the zone. First, that's the first name. Did that you came feel my head. vibrations, bro? Yeah, yeah, yeah dude. That's I the, did. This guys. girl is on fire. That's, a, that's, <laughs> that's how I felt when you were doing that. You're on fire. That's very rude. Did you call me a girl? Well, I mean, that's her song. Okay. You're gender fluid. Fluid. I, I, is it? Is it this girl's on fire? I thought it was this. How's the song go? I don't know, dude. I don't I know. Alicia this, Keys. This Jesus. town is on fire. I thought that's what No, they're... no, no. That was the LA riots. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Guys, we have a great show for you today. It's a very interesting show. We have Brooks Agnew on, and I think you guys are going to thoroughly enjoy this conversation and i think if there's gonna be some points in this that you're gonna be like hey what the hell and then you're gonna realize that this guy is like us but he has science behind what he's talking about <laughs> am i wrong no, i mean just the way you put it yeah made it's, like, look bad. it's like you know he's like us but he knows shit no but he has data <laughs> he's like data and you like i'm telling you man this is a show you gotta go to the end this is a show you have to go all the way through to really understand who this guy is. I, I want you guys, I, I tell you this all the time, and maybe I don't need to tell you this, the purpose of the show, okay? The purpose of the show is not to have people on that I agree with all the time. The purpose of the show is to have people on that I want, I want the guests to shine. I want the guests to have their time to say what they want to say and get it across, to the best of my ability. There's some topics that maybe I'm not as in, interested in in talking about because I just feel like it doesn't add to the conversation. But if, if they're on the show, I want them... I, I, it's a very Art Bell way of doing the show, which is for that time that they're on the show, we're going to assume everything they're saying is, is correct and we're going to allow them to have the stage to say what they want to say. Then you, the listener, listen and you decide whether you agree with what's being said and everything. I really enjoyed this conversation because if you actually listen to a lot of the stuff that Brooks is saying, it's from a data-driven scientific point of view. And he, he's, you know, I know you flat earthers out there and I, I, I know you guys, space is fake and all that stuff may not necessarily agree with everything he's saying, but he also always brings it back to our kind of realm. And that's why I really lo- loved about this 
this conversation when you guys agree on that it was like yeah it was like uh, you know we're, we had the space people on and we had uh, space people whatever dude it's all gone. but you know it's like there was some really great 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 data discussions on the show and the show ends super strong what'd you guys think dude we asked him something crazy he's like I don't think so, but I'm open-minded. That alone is like, I yeah, was like, all I right. Did. I mean, the I'm guy cool was that. talking about the Nephilim, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, the guy literally gets to the Nephilim. So I want you guys to know this is a wonderful conversation. I think so. That I thoroughly enjoyed. And I, like, it, it, it captured my, my interest the whole time, and I enjoyed it. And I, I just want you guys to, because, yeah, he's a space guy. There's enough room and tinfoil hat for your head and your heart. And, yeah, for everybody. <laughs> Bring it in. And it was a great conversation. They used to say that in my church. They said, there's enough room in the doorway for your head and your heart. Yeah, he, dude, he bring, he, like, dude, everything he talks about, he's a conspiratorial human being like us, but there, he has data behind what he's saying. And I think it was great. Am I looking too much into that? No. Uh, I enjoyed him, man. I would have him back on in a heartbeat. I thought it was a wonderful conversation. I hope you guys enjoy it as well and uh, i think it was a real banger dude listen if you guys want to see me live 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 i'm gonna be in san francisco the fifth and sixth of august uh with early show sam tripley late shows tim Fulha, eddie bravo xavier guerrero hello uh, my, my good friend augustino zoida will be hosting both show will be featuring for me in the first show hosting the second show so that uh uh xg doesn't have to go up and host when are you gonna start hosting by the way i'm hosting georgia's show this the show at Yuma, okay, so okay. get the ball rolling. Okay, yeah, get the ball rolling. Yeah, hey, hey. man, who's hey? Where the Bigfoot people at? Hey, <laughs> hey, man, who leaves the flat earth? Puntos, right? You go all that into that stuff. So, and then uh, comedy chaos is August tenth, and then we're bringing back once again the uh, assassins only. Let me just see when that is. Oh Ruth. shit, y'all re ain't ready for this show. You got, are y'all ready for this? So this show is you don't know who's going to pull up. Sounds just like it. Wow. Yeah, dude. Uh, you don't know. That's the whole thing. I don't tell you. No, we don't market the show at all. Okay. All right. All right. August 16th is Assassins Only. Come buy this comedy special. Who knows whose it is, but buy it. I mean, come on. That's why there's a reason. I like so this, man. I Listen to me. Listen, in, uh, dude, we'll get a conversation about L.A. comedy if you want. It's like the mystery. It's, it's just the same. Five people going up in every show. Remember I want to like... mix it up. And I want people to show up that are there to see who the fuck is walking on stage. Last show had a great lineup. It worked right. for Gushers, I have to say. Remember they had the mystery flavor? I bought those every time. Yeah, I, 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 listen, August 16th, Assassins Only, live at, at three clubs, which is a great club. And we sold it out last time. And let's come in. I'm putting together an, a, a squad of elite assassins. Come get weird on that. All tickets available at samtriple.com. Uh, what else we got to talk about? Okay, uh, go get your tickets there. The premium content. I, you guys know about Rockfin. I want to talk to you a second about the Cash Daddies. It's it's not on Rockfin. It is it is a Patreon only. Okay, Cash Daddies Patreon only. Johnny, can you tell us a little bit about the power of Howie? I can tell you that Howie. Uh, I mean, I, you know, he had a couple of picks for options yesterday, options trades, and uh, won forty percent out today 
And another out 20%. Uh, for someone who doesn't profit. do stocks, what does that mean? Yeah, can you explain for... Uh, that means I profited 40% off one investment, Ooh. 20% off another in one day. And he's been doing day. this and consistently. Consistent. Like, I don't know if he's had a miss yet, honestly. Oh, uh, probably man. 25 knock picks. On wood. Knock yeah. on wood. Oh. Everybody knock so on he, wood. He killed it on this Nike one right here? Killed oh, it on... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, so he's crushing it right now. So go to... Patreon.com slash Cash Daddies and get in and on it. There's going to be a lot more content there soon. And, and yes. you got to pay for the $20 one for that, right? Yes. But, yeah. dude, you make, Johnny, did you make your $20 back? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> the, day, the, day, the day I signed up. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you make your money back instantly. If you want to make money in these really crazy times, Go to check. How out much the more cat. do I make if I put a thousand in the big whoopee? Well, here you well, get the twenty dollars. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and then Johnny and I watch you make love, and we just yell well, out. I love how you've weaseled in. This was my. This is Johnny's uh, sex advice thing. It's, and then but you're, Sam's joining. Well, they, yeah, I did put that. Okay, in. and now here's the thing: somebody went on a broken sim or the Tim Fall hat. Uh, Apple Podcast and goes. Why am I going to pay a thousand dollars to have you guys make us watch us make love? Uh, it's a joke, bro. Yeah, it is a joke. Like chill. And but if you guys make a lot of money on we Cash will Daddy, do it though. Yeah, one of you guys better buy the thousand dollars. And deal. if you do it, we Even will do it. Even if it's one month and just one time. Who, okay. Who thought that was real? <laughs> who was that stupid? You're stupid. Yeah, don't say stupid stuff. We know you don't like us, or in particular me. That's fine. Listen, if you go to uh, samtribute.com, you could do the timfullhatt-shirts.com. We have some new shirts coming out. Great way to support the show. Go down to my cameos are fire, everybody. Fire, okay? Pure fire. I will scream at you for three minutes for only a couple bucks. <laughs> and then finally, uh, the buy gold and silver with my good friends over at Wise Wolf. Okay, just click the link. It'll take you right there. I'm buying that. I'm about to get a, a, a meat. Got a, uh, a meat farmer on there as well. I'm gonna put. I'm gonna talk to my Patriot Supply over there. Try to get them on here. I'm trying to get all the stuff you need to take care of your stuff. Uh, if you're looking to join the Discord, just go to Timfall. Just go samtribute.com. Click the banner. It will take you to only conspiracies. And I'm really proud to announce the Zero Telegram has 600 people on it. Talk 600 people. Look at that. How many people? Almost 600 talking. We have a telegram for Broken Sam, too. It's just not on the website. Why isn't it there? I don't know. Guys, if you want to listen to my free shows, we have free shows all the time. You're here. This one you're hearing right now, Tim Fall Hat. Broken Sim, which is the Grand Theft Auto of podcasts. Okay. Yes. I go live dangerously. New episode in your feed now. Today, did it just drop? No, I mean, when this comes out. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, Cash Daddies. Uh, my sports show, Punch Drunk. Union the Unwanted is one is one of the most important conversations on the internet. It is a panel show. If you love this show, you'll love the Union the Unwanted. And then some of my old uh, premium content episodes are being put out. Conspiracy Social Club with Brian Callen. And my good friend, uh, my favorite podcast I do, sorry guys, is Zero. It is a very important podcast. Uh, is help me deal with the craziness that's going on right now. Uh, been no, muff, nothing but bangers lately. And you can listen to old episodes. Uh, if you want new episodes, you got to go to Rockfin, the Conspiracy Social Club, and Zero. Go check that out. What do you got going on? Uh, tomorrow, Thursday, we have American Cholo. We're going to discuss our, that YGI Caramba video. And then uh, just go to We Don't Smoke the Same, subscribe, and uh, we'll see you guys tomorrow. Okay. Anything, Johnny? 
No, I just check out Broken Sam. It's all over the place. YouTube, the where they're shadow banning us. You got to search out. I'm getting Sam shadow banned so much on there. Uh, just yeah, if you can subscribe there and hit the bell icon. That that I think sometimes that'll help you get the notifications. Not that much. And listen, a lot of you guys are complaining because the audio goes out first before some of the podcasts. Uh, and Tim Fall House. It's all, but it always goes out first on Rockfin. If you want the video, go to Rockfin. Well, it's also or, or Patreon or or well, well, not just Broken Sin. We're talking Tim Fall Hat. If you really oh, right want okay. everything first, if you want video first, go to samtriplee.com. The video always goes up there first. The audio goes up because that's the the place where more people listen, and then the second place it goes up instantly is. On samtriplee.com. You could watch every single video I make. For tinfoil, yeah. Right now, he's watching it, and it looks great. Great. And I've gotten fat again. Jesus, look at that. Look how fat I am again. I gained weight. Admit it, guys. Okay. Uh, I'm fat. I'm so, so tired crazy. of being fat. You're so crazy. I'm so tired of you're being crazy. fat. You want to do a fitness challenge? I'll do a fitness challenge. Yeah, everyone you. says you're you're back on crack, and you're back. You know. I wish. Oh, yeah, I not. wish I was I'll back. I'll do a fitness no, challenge. You, I, I, you great. Want, who can smoke crack the most and no, lose no, the most no, no, weight? No, no, no. That's not a fitness challenge. Okay. <laughs> that's, a, that's a skid row challenge. That's die. an LA challenge. <laughs> Guys, enjoy this podcast with Brooke Agnew. Uh, Brooks Agnew. I think it's a great podcast. I hope you guys enjoy it. Hey, everybody, I want to tell you about one of our longest-running sponsors. They've stuck with the show through thick and thin. That's right. I'm talking about Athletic Greens. I take Athletic Greens every day because I want better gut health, more energy, optimized immune system. I hate taking a bunch of pills and vitamins. I want a supplement that actually tastes great and want to see what the hype was all about, okay? With one delicious scoop, Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, probiotics, and aptogens, all right? It starts your day off right. And it's real simple, okay? It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything while still tasting good. Tons of people take some kind of multivitamins, and it's important to choose one with high-quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb, okay? It costs less than $3 a day. You're investing in your, in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Green is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com slash tinfoil. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash tinfoil to take ownership over your health and pick the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Enjoy the show. We go deep, homeboy. Eric, open your mind. Drink. Okay, let's get into it. I'm very excited to talk to this next guest because we're going to discuss some of my favorite topics. Uh, Hollow Earth is by far one of my favorite things to talk about. Uh, he is an a master energy a a engineer, a scientist, seven-time best bestseller, okay, uh, Earth Explorer. Please welcome Brooks Agnew. How are you, sir? I'm great. Good to be here. Thank you so much for coming on our podcast. It does mean a lot to us. For our uh, listeners and viewers who may not be familiar with you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and where they can find you? 
Yeah, sure. Uh, I am, as you said, a master engineer. I work for the Fortune 100. I build manufacturing plants so that, uh, you know, we can make things and make things from cars to airplanes to um, all kinds of consumer goods. And I've been doing that for a long time, uh, more than two and a half decades. But I'm also an author and I've written uh, now 12 books and seven of them are have been bestsellers. And uh, they're they're in they're all nonfiction with fictional characters in them to take you through the story. So it's kind of a mix between uh, we call it fictional history. So it's real history with uh, with fictional people in it. And uh, they can reach me by just going to brooksagnew.com, brooksagnew.com. Every book I sell, all my podcasts, everything is linked there. And you can learn all about what I do. Well, I love it. Uh, I have a question for you. We're going to get into the hollow earth, but you brought up some that you build manufacturing plants. Uh, is that exclusively in the U.S. or you do it all over the world? I have done it exclusively in the U.S. I did one in uh, Monterey, Mexico. Uh, it was in, uh, I think it was, yeah, it was in the mid-90s. It was my first one. But then I have brought plants back from, like, Japan and China to the U.S. and rebuilt them here and hired Americans to work in them. Well, I love that because it's kind of getting to my what I want to ask you about, and we will get into Hollow Earth, but... So I think there is this belief out there, and Johnny, you can, next year you can jump in anytime. But there's this belief that if we brought manufacturing back to the United States, everything would skyrocket. The prices would be ridiculous. And I go, I don't think I like. I I don't think so. I think there was a time when we made stuff here, and it wasn't ridiculously priced. And and I think what would happen at first is that the margin of profit for the company at first would take a little hit but over time once people have more jobs they would buy more things and you would slowly start to see uh their profits going up because people would have more disposable cash and be able to buy more stuff and you know i i actually got in an argument and this isn't meant to get into politics but i got in an argument with a very uh woke comic uh who i respect a lot I, I, but he's woke and he's a, he, he's written on some super huge shows and but he's democratic obviously uh, but he's also which Democrats tend to be the pro pro uh, worker right but yet they're also very much for uh, free trade which is always seen like an oxymoron to me maybe or, or am I using that the proper way uh, uh, it seemed to be a uh, conflict in, in, in uh, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that the price of goods would skyrocket so high if you brought it back, brought manufacturing back to the United States? Well, we've actually tested this several different ways. First, we passed regulations that required companies like Toyota and Nissan and BMW and Mercedes. If they're going to sell cars in this country, then they have to build plants in this country and assemble their cars here. And what we found was that the vehicles that they assembled here were better and they didn't cost that much more to make. In fact, in many cases, they cost less to make. So that's one story. The other is that, uh, you know, if we if we made it here in America, it would be more expensive because our labor rates are higher. Uh, not necessarily. What would happen is the costs would go up to the manufacturer, but the prices to the consumer 
would actually stay about the same. The good news is, and the part of the economics that these these companies do not understand, which is where I really come down with a sledgehammer on the Fortune 100 is, who's going to buy your product? Who is going to buy your product in the U.S. if they're not working? And then they finally get the connection. Oh, we have to like make an eco cycle where the people that are working are earning the money who are buying our product, who are making our product. And yes, that's the way it goes. So you have to create an economy. You can't just continue to take energy out of the system and hope that it will keep giving and giving and giving forever. Eventually it will run out of energy. That's why Henry Ford sold the Ford at a price that the consumed that the, his worker could buy. Why would you make something they can't buy? Then who's going to buy it? I completely yeah, but agree. He actually said he could give the vehicles away and he would make money on the spare parts. Yeah, yeah I completely I'm curious. Now, would the first companies to really commit to this idea, would they take a bath kind of? Because it would take some time to build up that base of, of wealth, right, uh, among the workers. It depends on how they build it. Now, the way it's commonly done in the U.S. is those companies go public, so they dump their shares on the public market. But uh, what has happened in the last 30 years is a process called naked short trading, and this is where your competition buys shares that don't exist of your company. Like, for instance, think of Tesla Motors back in the in the uh, early 2000s, uh, 2006, 2007, 2008. Uh, they were running out of money and they went to, they did a capital call, brought Elon Musk back in and he asked for more shares, became the largest shareholder to hostile takeover. And then he went public and the company was selling for about 2360 a share, something like that. Well, Citigroup naked shorted a hundred million of their shares on the market at less money than what those shares were selling for. And they were then beginning to spread bad press about the electric vehicles. Well, Elon Musk had one market maker that worked for uh, the LA, I'm sorry, the, uh, the Times magazine, Time magazine, and they did an excoriating article after they trashed the car. So Elon sent an engineer to Pennsylvania, got the black box out of the car, flew it back. They decoded it, found that the guy had totally trashed the car and the car had actually performed better than it was originally designed. So Elon, being the master uh, marketer himself, went right back to the markets with a press release and said, no, actually, the car did better than it was designed. Well, the stock bumped just a little bit, just a little bit, about a buck fifty a share. But it was enough to catch Citigroup in what we call a squeeze. Citigroup had to deliver 100 million shares they didn't own. The only place they could get those shares was off the market. (laughs) And by the time it was done, the shares were selling for $200 a share. Elon had paid off his Department of Energy loans nine years early, and he had built a $360 million plant. He burned Citigroup for $1.2 billion. And that, my friends, is why we have Tesla Motors today. Wow. That's awesome, man. Uh, Elon Musk is such an interesting guy. You know, there's some people that love him. There's some people that hate him. And, you know, I believe in the law of duality. I think we have light and dark in all of us. And that's why we could look at like a... 
a politician and be like, oh, this guy's good. And then the, our best friend could be like, no, dude, he's bad. Well, yeah. I, I think <laughs> we have all that inside us and you see what you want to see. So I think that's Elon Musk as well. There's some things he does that's very pro uh, 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 progressive for humanity, not progressive in politics, but progressive for humanity. And then there's things he does that are quite shady and you question whether he's the Antichrist, right? <laughs> I mean, like, it's just... It's, like a Neuralink. It's very... In yeah. yeah, it's all super interesting. But, you know, uh, I want to get into Hollow Earth, and I want to lead into it with this. You know, when you study what's going on in the world, uh, most people look at it through the lens of their, their own way they see the world, right? So when you see these things that these masters of mankind are doing... And it doesn't make real sense, right? You're like, hey, man, why is Trudeau trying to cut down on the amount of cattle? Uh, well, he's, he says it's for global warming, but it's going to cause massive food shortages. Most people wouldn't want that. You're like, yeah, most people wouldn't want that if you're doing it from a perspective. When I look at this through a spiritual lens, okay, and I go, well, if there's people in here, if, if, if you look at the way that we have the God and the all know and the all, that is the all, and there's layers of this stuff, and then the, there's certain entities that are trapped here. I hope I'm not losing you here, Brooks. I'll, I'll get no, to it. No, no. But if, you, if there's certain entities that are here that are trapped here that hate humanity because they are trapped here, then it starts to make some sense that this is a spiritual war. And what they don't want you to know is how special you really are and how special this place really is. So when we get into something like hollow earth, people can't grasp that this place is way more mystical and magical than they are led to believe because they don't think that the, the people who are in charge of educating us would ever deceive us from how special we are and where we are, where we live. And that's why I think hollow earth is such an important discussion because it is, it really means this place is way more enchanting than they ever want us to know. Right, Brooks, would you, what are your thoughts on that? Well, it certainly is not a new idea. When, when my co-author, my late co-author, EJ Clark and I wrote the arc of billions of years series, that's 2000 pages, totally nonfiction. We researched 44 ancient cultures about uh, how they thought about the earth. What did they think about their relationship with the earth? And we found, without exception, they had a kind of symbiotic relationship with the earth, not just in the way that, you know, they till the earth and treat the earth, but in the way they think about the earth. They thought life energy came out of the earth, that we were actually built from dirt. You know, just like it says in the Bible and and the matter that it takes to make up Earth also makes up our bodies. And so we have this kind of energetic relationship. Now, entities that are not from Earth, they don't have that relationship. They're not made from the stuff of this planet. Not only that, they may have been involved in a prior conflict which we call the war in heaven, but they might have been involved in a prior conflict in which they fought us before. And we ended up with an inheritance of mortality, which they didn't get. So they're pretty jealous about that. It turns out that a lot of the mythology and a lot of the for its day science of the day was quite accurate. 
the fact that the earth revolved on an axis, the fact that the earth revolved around the sun, the fact that the sun was part of a galaxy. We went back to the sixth century and found models of the Milky Way galaxy pretty well represented. Now, we don't know how they got those models. They didn't have telescopes. And as far as we know, they didn't have space travel, but the models were pretty good. So we, we, I, I realized as we got done with the book, I was gathering all kinds of evidence because these are totally nonfiction books. Somebody handed me a book called Our Hollow Earth. I read it. I thought, that doesn't really jive with me. I put it on the shelf and didn't think about it again. I'm, I'm a hard scientist here. So what happened over the years as we finished the fourth volume, actually the third volume, we were working on the fourth volume, some science experiments took place that made me very curious. Uh, there were some space programs like the L-Cross mission, which was a mission to determine whether there was water and other elements in the soil of the moon. They sent a uh, this uh, this we call it a space program. They sent a space program to orbit the moon and to look at the soil of the Earth spectrographically by by like taking samples of particles that were up in the orbiting the moon in in a very loosely uh, incorporated atmosphere, and it was going slowly. And there was a malfunction, and they realized they did not have enough fuel to finish the mission. So as they usually do in the space program, they think of, well, what else can we do with this? Turns out that it's put together in two big pieces. So they decided remotely to blow the two pieces apart and let the fuel and engine section drop to the moon like a big weight and strike the surface. And when it did, it would create this huge, you know, ejection of mass from the surface in one big plume. And then they would fly the spectrometer through the plume, gather the sample all at once, and then, of course, send the message back to Earth and then smash into the moon. Well, it worked. And what they discovered absolutely blew their minds. They found that the soil of that part of the moon, which was the south pole of the moon, a a crater called Shackelford's Crater, was loaded with frozen helium-3, very highly concentrated, and water, like oceans of water. Now, this is a crater that never sees the sun because it's right on the south pole. The Ridge Mountains see sun, but deep in the crater, which is about as deep as Mount Everest is high, it's loaded with stuff. So these missions started to what I call put sand in the balance. Because one of the things that they noticed when they looked back at Earth is auroras over both poles at the same time. And that was just not their reasoning their reasoning was we know what causes the auroras it's when the sun the earth is tilted toward the sun uh, or away from the sun and what happens is the the charged particles come from the sun uh, go around the planet's magnetic field come rushing in on the pole and cause this aurora borealis but here we're Uh, auroras over both poles at the same time so they hurried and put together another space program called the themis probe and it had five satellites loaded into a nose cone 
They launched the five satellites. The five satellites went out into five different orbits and they lined up like Jacob's ladder one day. And when they did, they turned them all on and started to measure. And what they were measuring was a current inner energetic occurrences above the earth in the ionosphere and beyond that might affect the upper atmosphere of earth causing these auroras. Well, as luck would have it, this, what they call a cosmic bullet exploded out of another dimension above the earth. And when it did, the energy, of course, went out in all directions. It passed the two satellites going out to space. It passed the three satellites between it and the earth. And when it got to the atmosphere, there was the aurora. And so they published their paper. Well, we figured out what causes the aurora. It's cosmic bullets. One experiment, one measurement. And I wrote them and said, that does not make a conclusion something is wrong here something else is causing auroras over both poles and then it was dr y sessions with washington university who published his paper discovering another ocean underneath the atlantic ocean that was the size it was the size of the arctic ocean and how they discovered it is they went through all these six hundred thousand seismograms these are charts that are made of the earth when we have a big earthquake have a big earthquake these waves go rushing through the planet and the other listening stations around the planet pick up those waves and draw them out on paper but nobody analyzed them so they got their grad students together and paid them pizza basically and got them to put all these seismograms into a computer and they modeled the vibrations that they saw And that's how they discovered this other ocean, the size of the Arctic Ocean underneath the crust, underneath the Atlantic Ocean. And so that led us to believe that there might be a vent through the crust between those two oceans. And we should go look for that vent. So we started in 2007, we started to put together the North Pole Inner Earth Expedition. We were going to take a ship, go up above the Arctic Circle, and look for this opening in the crust. We had it narrowed down to about 10,000 square miles. We could survey it in about 15 days, and that was our that was our mission. That was what we were going to do. I mean, I'm, I'm on the edge of my, my seat, man. I'm like... So well, what, it was did, fun. I mean, we, we went to Tibet and China. We went to Mexico. We went to Canada. We went to Antarctica. Uh, but the only thing remaining was the Arctic. And, of course, the only ship that was capable of making the journey is a Russian nuclear-powered icebreaker. So in 2008, the economy took a, a, a crap in the bed. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so the economy slowly started coming back. About 2014, we tried it again to do a big fundraiser and put this money together to try to charter the ship. And the politics of the day just wouldn't allow it to happen. Anytime you mentioned the word Russia, it was like, forget about it. And here we are, you know, we're in 2022 and you you can't even use the Z, you can't use R, you can't say nothing. So uh, we're stuck. We're stuck. We can't get to the Arctic Circle to make these measurements we want to make. Hey, everybody, I want to tell you about our friends at Fume. Listen, are you a current smoker? Are you struggling to try to quit? Are you a past smoker? You know what, man? You know how hard it is to quit and stay quit. Or uh, do you have somebody you love? 
that you, you'd love to quit. Well, I want to tell you about Fume. That's right. Check out Fume. Fume is a natural inhaler designed for better, safer, and natural way to quit cigarettes. It's no smoke, no vape, no nicotine replacement for a hand-to-mouth habit of smoking, okay? Fume handcrafts wood inhalers and uses cores infused with plant oils studied to curb cravings. They have flavors like peppermint and conquer with minty notes to simulate menthol cigarettes and other flavors like cozy chai and lemonberry bliss for a sweeter experience. And all of their flavors are 100% natural. That means no harmful chemicals, no artificial flavors, and absolutely no nicotine. Quitting is tough, but Fume really can help. They've got thousands of five-star reviews from smokers who have tried everything else, and this works, okay? I know people in my life that have been wanting to quit smoking, and I turned them on the Fume, and they're on their way to stop smoking. It's just that simple. Try it out, okay? Whether you're a smoker or an ex-smoker who still struggles with craving, Fume is perfect is the perfect tool for you. Head to breathefume.com slash tinfoil and use a promo code tinfoil to save $10 off your entire order. That's 10% off your entire order when you head to B-R-E-A-T-H. E-F-U-M dot com slash tinfoil and use the code tinfoil. So, so all you, you have these graphs that have all this data and, but you're, you have no ability to go and actually check it out. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of like you can hear an echo in the woods, but you can't go there to see what's causing the sound. And it's, it's quite frustrating. And the ocean's not easily accessible. These are the roughest ocean areas on earth and it's 4,400 meters deep. So it's not like you could just, you know, send a bucket over the side and get a water sample. You it's, it takes highly specialized equipment. This is a minimum $3.5 million expedition. If we want to put a, a submersible remote on the bottom, a tethered remote and get samples off the bottom and take pictures. Oh, man. It adds $5 million to it. So we're like $8.5 million. Now that's not high as far as space programs go, or even as expeditions go, but we have to pull the money together the right way or we lose the franchise. Elon Musk, man, you got some cash. You just made <laughs> out some money on t- that Twitter deal that you, uh, in those days it was uh, virgin. It was, um, Branson. So we went to Branson actually. We 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 were making a proposal. We had it outlined pretty well. We got to the last step and they said, "Okay, you sign these papers. It's our project. Your name isn't on it. Your company's not yeah. involved with it. Everything belongs to us." And the board said, "No." I voted with the board and that was it. We walked out. And why do you th- uh why do you think there's been, uh, do you think there's any resistance to you doing this for, you know, alternative reasons? Maybe they don't want you to know about this. Uh, you know, that, you know, this is a conspiracy show. So we believe. I that think someday. they just generally think we're nuts and that no one is going to be crazy enough to give us the money. So they're not really worried about it. And besides that, 
Nobody's going to mess with a 75,000 horsepower nuclear powered icebreaker. Once we get to the 80th parallel, there's not a ship on earth that can go there. It's, it's, it's super crazy. It's just, and like, I just saw this, this video somebody made about how deep the ocean gets. And there's the, uh, someone said that we've explored space more than we've explored our own oh, o- ocean. That's true. That is true. Well, did you see the story? There's a story just today that uh, about here. I'll bring it over for you. It, it, they found these uh, holes on the, it, like a two, almost two miles into the ocean. Uh, these uh, perfectly aligned holes that they don't. The scientists don't have an explanation for. Let me. What do you mean perfectly? I'll, I'll show you. They have images. Just a second. I'll show it. To you. Uh, what? Uh, Brooks, they, would mean, you say that the UFOs that come out of the ocean have anything to do with what you're trying to find out? See, that's another aspect of this whole thing is that we we know that UFOs exist. Everyone knows they exist. Two miles. So as a scientist, we have to ask, oh, look at those. They're pretty well lined up. Two miles up, down, they? yeah. 1.7 wow, like miles. Stitching holes in the ground. Yeah, dude. Uh, isn't that interesting? It could be an exhaust, perhaps, or something beneath that. Oh yeah, yeah. How deep is that water? One point seven miles is what I read. Yowzer, that's like off the coast of Cuba. Noah finds weird lines of holes in mid-Atlantic floor. Scientists exploring a submerged mountain range in the mid-Atlantic uh, stumbled onto something they can't explain—an organized series of holes punched in the floor of the Atlantic Ocean. Discovery was made July 23, and photos show the dots into nearly straight lines, connecting yep. nearly straight lines. Yep. It's so interesting. And they have no, they're not proposing an explanation. Yeah, 1.7 miles they were diving. Uh, See, we had, to, we had to create some equipment. We had to develop what we call a dart because you can't communicate underwater. Once you get under the water, there's no radio communication unless you have a cable hooked to you. And uh, so you can't just send a, you know, a, a submersible, a bathyscaphe down there remotely to do anything. It's going to record, and then it's going to come back to the surface, and you're going to look at the recording. So we were, we were going to drop darts, and these darts are uh, uh, 10 feet long, and they have, uh, of course, fins on them. When you drop them over the side, they just aim straight down, and they go straight to the bottom. And they have about a 30-inch long uh, one and a half inch pipe on them and that pipe just sticks in the, in the soil. And then the end seals off it, the door closes and then a bag inflates and the, the dart floats back to the surface and it takes several hours for this to make its round trip. But then we get core samples right off the bottom. And that's very important for us because what we're looking for, if there is a vent in the crust that through which these two oceans blend, then there's going to be different salinity, different crystallinity, different diatoms, different, you know, life forms Mm -hmm. that may be fossilized or uh, uh, dead ones collected on the bottom. It's going to be different concentration there than it is anywhere else on the planet. And if we find this, then it supports our theory. If we don't find it, then it doesn't support our theory. You mentioned different salinity. Is it fresh water? Well, it doesn't matter if it's fresh or not. It's going to be different salinity because our ocean is exposed to the air and their ocean is exposed to an inner atmosphere. I just heard that there was a... 
there's water under our ocean that was fresh water is why I asked that. So. Yeah, there there probably is. There there are aquifers of fresh water and under the ocean. That's interesting. Wow. Now yeah. now Brooks, now uh, you've talked about studying ancient cultures, ancient civilizations, their thoughts. We've had uh Greg Carlwood on the show, he talked about Hollow Earth before, and he brought up about the belief of, like, uh, you know, just another atmosphere in the middle of the Earth, animals we've never seen before. Do you have, have you done any study into what ancient cultures would say? You know, we have the whole situation where, like, there was a belief of giant, like, asteroids hit the planet, wiping out civilization as we know it. And the Hopi Indians talking about ant people brought them into the caves to survive. Do you have any thoughts on any of that? I, uh, we've of course collected information on that, but as I said, we're scientists, so we're looking for samples, we're looking for measurements. I've heard all the stories and, you know, a, a fact is a direct observation, but for science, we require corroborated facts. And I don't mean two witnesses. Mm -hmm. I mean, a bone, a fingernail, a picture, something that, that we can identify and we haven't had that yet so that's where my thinking is about i'm totally open-minded to it i know that these ufos exist i know they have to go somewhere when they're not uh, flying around playing games with f-18 super hornets and they've been around forever i'm happy about maybe three things one is that they're there two is that they're as present as they want to be and three is they haven't brandished their weapons yet because if they're that advanced, they could they could they could lay waste to us, and probably could have. You know, when we were not flying, just about 108 years ago. Do you have any thoughts on uh, Operation High Jump and what that represented, and with uh with in in you know relationship to our government and um all that, and who might be in charge? Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, we, we researched that, too. You know, we just got done with a global war in 1945. We have a sighting of UFOs in 1947 at Roswell. They put a force together of battle-hardened men and ships because we just got done a year and a half before fighting a global war. And they go down to Antarctica with PBYs, PBYs, a seaplane on an aircraft carrier, uh, they're well outfitted and they go down there and they do their explorations and they end up getting into what is reported to be a skirmish with German made or at least German marked flying saucers. And of course, we're, you know, they're flying diesel powered prop planes. Uh, they they don't stand a chance uh, flying along at uh, you know 300 miles an hour against something that can make a left hand turn at 10,000 miles an hour, and they end up getting cut to pieces and limp their way home to Argentina, and that's the last we ever hear about it. Lots and lots of books written about it. Lots and lots of of uh, you know speculation about it, but not much factual information. Even though there were a lot of survivors. It was a day when government loyalty was rock solid. You didn't have whistleblowers like you have today. It was just a different age. We don't have evidence of high jump actually occurring 
the way that it has been rumored to occur, the way I just described it to you. Interesting, interesting, interesting. I find that, you know, I mean, the the ramifications of all that is huge. But, I mean, I don't know, UFOs, we had a guy on who talked about how, like, after the first nuclear bomb was dropped, you know, all of a sudden this UFO stuff started showing up. And I'm like, yeah, timelines meet up. Um, but we'll get into space programs. Uh, what do we do? What, what do you think about our current space program? You know, uh, I mean, the, the talk about not going back to the moon, but we can go, we're going to try to go to Mars and all that stuff. What do you think about the current space program? Well, uh, the space industry, we'll call it, because a program is actually have, has a name and it has a, a usually equipment associated with it and a team associated with it. And we have, I think, 80, 88 or 89 active space programs right now. And we have some that we're getting ready to build. So I, I published this book called Asteroid Mining, The Future of Energy. And then I tried to clarify a lot of these questions, at least from the people that I know have been around this industry since before I was a teenager. Uh, and I can tell you that the, the, the rumors of a secret space program, unless they've reverse engineered some heavy alien technology, as far as I know, and all of NASA, JPL, and the private NGOs that I know of, there isn't any of that. There has been some reverse engineering, obviously, because there's some technolo technological jumps that have been made that should not have been made, but they were made nonetheless. And, uh, and even though we have countries that are at war or at least in competition with one another, to believe that they're just unified as hell about space and they're not going to divulge anything to the people about space. It just doesn't jive with me. If we had it, we would use it. If we had it, we would use it in war. That's our nature. We would use the, the most superior weapon that we have at the moment. And we would, we would crush our enemies in hours. If we could, I can tell you that the status of the, of the space exploration is right now that we develop cis lunar space first. This is a process of putting GPS satellites around the moon first, linking it to the moon with, with a moon colony so that we can navigate not only around the moon, but on the moon, we will probably recover helium three. We have a system for uh, recovering it and bringing it back to earth. I don't really agree with it, but that's the system we have. Uh, my uh, <clears throat> admonition is to build the helium fusion lab on the moon because the two things that really make stabilizing the plasma uh, prohibitively expensive are gravity and air. So if you have less gravity and no air to deal with, it really lowers the cost of, of uh, trying to get helium fusion and if we get helium fusion it solves so many problems three big problems that i can think of number one is our energy shortage because it would replace fission in all of our nuclear power plants and we would be able to make electricity so cheap you could just about give it away you get more benefit giving it away than you would trying to raise money with it uh the other thing is you get helium propulsion 
fusion propulsion. So you bring Mars instead of taking seven months to get there on the short end and two years on the long end, you shorten it to 70 days. Now, 70 days is doable. You, you send a 200,000 pound craft, you know, to the moon in 70 days and the Hohmann maneuver becomes really, really broad instead of this narrow uh, window of opportunity. You, you, you really bring Mars in close. So moon first has to be, you can't go to Mars first. It will not work. I've explained it to him a thousand times. You would spend 10 years putting enough resources on Mars so that the first humans you sent there wouldn't die. Cause I doubt they're coming back. Damn. Who do you think will be first to do it to 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 make the Mars shot? Yes, I mean as far as a country goes, yeah, well, a government or a, a private. What do you, what do you think? I think it'll be private uh, because of the return on investment. The moon is going to yield a tremendous return on investment. Helium three. There's enough. There's enough energy in one crater on the moon to light up the Earth for 10,000 years. What, what is the, how do we harness energy out of those craters? Well, right now the helium three is frozen. So it's easy to work with. We have helium three on the earth, but it's kind of primordial and it only exists around volcanoes. So once it gets into the atmosphere and gets near sunlight, it converts into helium four, which is what we fill party balloons with not much use in making energy. We need helium three. Helium-3 is light a, a neutron. And so when you fuse it together, you get extra protons, which is great because you can do stuff with protons. You can make electricity. You can electromagnetically steer them any way you want, and they're not radioactive. Neutrons, which is what we get out of fission, you can't do anything with it except absorb it. You get the heat from the fission, but the neutrons are highly radioactive. We don't want them, and that's why we're shutting down nuclear power plants. But fusion is different. Better energy, cleaner energy, and lots of side products that are all beneficial. So that's why we want the helium fusion. We have not achieved it yet. We've done it with deuterium and tritium and different kind of cold fusion compounds, but nothing to really yield energy, and that's why we need the helium-3. Are and they, really, the, the program called The Expanse really utilizes the concept of fusion rocketry so well. Man, this is some advanced shit, right? I mean, like, oh. it's like super advanced stuff. The moon is, is interesting, wouldn't you agree? Like, there's things about the moon that are just like... Well, yeah. It doesn't I mean, make it, sense the, or anything like that. You're like, how is this possible? The idea of building a base on the moon is is ridiculous if you build a base on the surface of the moon everybody's gonna die as soon as the sun has a nasty hiccup everybody on sun side is it's not going to survive yeah. you have to build the base inside the moon and the volcanic vents go back so far and they're so big you could put new york city in one of those volcanic vents and all you have to do is just 3d print up the opening with the oh. airlock in it and pressurize it and you don't need a suit or anything to be on the moon you have new york city lit up forever well for 10 millennia 
and and one sixth the gravity. It's a perfect working environment. It's only two days from here. I got uh, I got to ask you: Is this looked upon, looked down upon in your in your industry? Does anybody be like, "Oh, keep it on the hush," kind of like flat Earth, or is <laughs> is ever is anybody open to it? Well, they are, but here's the thing: we don't get along very well on this planet, and the my friends at the Pentagon agree that he who controls the moon will control the earth. And right now China is very aggressively putting real estate on, you know, their, their ledger. It's on the far side of the moon and we don't really know what they're doing up there. We have some surveillance stuff, but not like what we should. And we just launched a, uh, a, uh, what's called a cube sat. It's a, basically a large uh, drink cooler with solar panels on it. And uh, it was designed to be the precursor to the GPS satellites that we're going to put around the moon. We use GPS satellites, but we use the ones around the earth, which are 250,000 miles away. And so you don't really get good resolution using them and you don't use them at all on the far side of the moon. So it needs its own network of GPS satellites around the moon. It takes a little while to put up there, and then you have to link it to the moon. So it, it's uh, got a, a, a lunar link to the GPS satellites. Once that's in place, now you can move remote equipment and you can get it on the surface without you know leaving a long skid mark in the sand like India just mm-hmm. did. Uh, and China has done before. It's not easy to do because the gravity of the moon is very lumpy. It's not like Earth where you weigh the same where you live as you would here. On the moon, it's not that way because the, 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 the form of the moon has a lot of dense uh, bodies inside of it, like asteroids that struck the moon and are now part of the moon. They the gravity's not uniform all around the planet. That's why it's tidally locked with us. The same side of the moon faces Earth all the time because that gravity, the heavy part of that moon, is locked to Earth. So there are those who are, uh, you know, obviously we have people who come on the show, they don't believe uh, that we've gotten past the Van Allen belt. What's your thoughts on that? Well, as, as luck would have it, we, we researched this and we found that the Van Allen radiation belts are a barrier, but they do vary in intensity. Ah, interesting. And during the late 60s, 68 to about 73, the Van Allen radiation belts were very quiet. And it was quite easy to shield yourself for two or three minutes as you pass through it and, and make it. Before that, after that, it's been quite active. Now, that being said, sun's been very quiet since 2012. Our atmosphere has thinned a lot. That's what's causing our wide variations in weather right now. And uh, we're getting ready to launch an Orion capsule, unmanned, but loaded with sensors. We're going to launch the Orion to the moon, around the moon, and then back to Earth. And then we're going to read what's on those instruments. The Orion is way more shielded than uh, the Eagle landers were, about uh, 20 times as thick with more modern materials. 
and even some electromagnetic shielding that makes Orion far superior as far as a a travel capsule. But we're going to be building what's called the Gateway Project, and the Gateway Project is going to is uh, something that is assembled in space. It's too big for us to lift off the planet. We have to lift it in pieces and build it up there. And it's going to make the International Space Station look like a toy. So it's it's a major, major piece. And contractors are already building the components for that. When do you think... By what year do you think that they could... The moon is something. The moon is very interesting. Is there any truth to the, to that the the uh, the the crevices are uh, all the same height? Is there any any truth to that? That there's uh, not ones a, that are very super deep. well, the ones on the the poles are quite deep, uh, thirty forty thousand feet deep, Damn. Uh, as opposed to the ones that face us. the The Moon is much older than the Earth. We believe that the moon was here in orbit before the Earth ever got here. In uh, orbit of we, what? In orbit around the sun. The sun. Really? The, the moon is in orbit around the sun. The Earth is in orbit around the sun. And we happen to be on the same orbital track. So the Earth and the moon linked up. The theory for a long, long time, because it, we didn't have any measurements, was that the Earth captured or generated the moon. We now know that's not true. We've, we've definitely 100% proven that's not true. The moon captured the Earth, or at least the Earth caught up with the moon in this orbit. Earth came along later. Interesting. Have you ever heard not, that? It was not formed out of the same accretion disk, even if our atmosphere, if our solar system was made from an accretion disk. And uh, the oldest ocean floor we have, oldest ocean floor we have is about 150 million years old. Earth is about 4.5 billion years old. So it leads us to believe that Earth has been expanding for a long time, about 150, 200 million years. And it's been a cataclysmic expansion. So what do you mean by expanding that the Earth is actually still growing? Yes, the Earth is still growing. Infinitesimally, it is still growing. We're still watching it and observing it. But in the beginning, it expanded quite a bit. And as it expanded, the crust cracked and cooled, cracked and cooled, cracked and cooled, and expanded. And, and so what's happened is it's left a space behind where the solid core, which is a iron xenon matrix which we call an iron crystal we know what temperature it's at we know what matrix makes it up because we spectrographically measured it it's sitting by itself about uh, uh you know maybe 1500 miles in diameter and then there's about a thousand mile gap and then there's a 900 mile or so thick crust and the crust has its magnetic field and the core has its magnetic field and they do counter rotate. And that counter rotation varies over a 12 year period, plus or minus six. And uh, that is what forms our magnetosphere. So uh, I find the moon so interesting. It's such an enigma. There's something going on there. And well, there's a lot of weird what we call coincidences that it just happens to be in the right place to shield the sun from the earth when you get right under it you know it's a, the exact right distance that uh when one of the eagles took off 
they had just set a bunch of seismograms or seismometers on the moon because they wanted to start measuring the um, uh, geological activity of the moon. They just set them and the astronauts trained for like a year to learn how to set them up. So they took off and as they took off the, the fuel tank and the motor bottom, the, the nozzle bottom of the Eagle emptied, you know, went through all this fuel. So they didn't want to pack that all the way back to earth. So they jettison it and it drops back down to the surface. It doesn't have any, thing left it's just a big aluminum can with some legs on it and when it struck the surface of the moon the seismometers picked up the impact well that wasn't that strange either they were kind of expecting that what they did not expect is that the vibration continued for two hours and what that is the most interesting part because we've done star stories on the moon episodes on the moon and uh, what could possibly be behind that what are your thoughts i mean is it hollow too i mean like we need more missions because we need to drill into the moon a good distance to find out you know if it's truly what we think it is we have observed impacts and i told you about the Elcross mission we were looking at the moon at the moment of impact with telescopes and we got nothing we we could not get any meaningful spectrographic information because the plume only went up like i don't know twenty thousand feet or thirty thousand feet something like that but from two hundred and fifty thousand miles away that's you know but, but. not very much you just we just didn't have the resolution we didn't have the equipment to be able to look at it that closely so we believe that the moon is primarily titanium and aluminum which is kind of interesting the earth is basically nickel and iron we're not the same composition at all but uh we know how much the moon weighs we know uh how dense it is based on its diameter and its its placement around the earth. And we know how much the earth weighs based on its movement around the sun. But when we take measurements, accurate measurements of the earth to the moon, which we do all the time because we left a reflector up on the surface of the moon and we shoot lasers at it all the time to see if the moon's moving. And it is slightly away from the earth, very slightly, like a half an inch a year or something. Uh, But we also know that the distance of the Earth to the sun is not right. Based on the diameter of the Earth and how long it takes the Earth to go around the sun, it should have a different orbit by about 1,200 kilometers, but it doesn't, unless it's hollow. It's so interesting, man. You talked about some of your equipment didn't have enough resolution. What do you think about the theory about NASA losing all that equipment on the way back on the reason why we can't go back? to the moon i don't know about the reasons i mean all the guys i know or knew you know have retired uh one owns his own satellite the other one's a consultant and he helps other companies get contracts with uh, with uh, nasa but nasa is not a it's not a space agency it's just a big uh bank you know a federal bank and all they do is decide what space programs they're going to invest in and that's very political unless you really go up there and make a you know a defense case they're not going to give you any money 
But JPL, you know, they're designers. They're mostly young people. Uh, Planetoid Mines, which recently got bought up by another company, and there's all kinds of acquisitions and mergers going on underneath the surface. You don't even know about, you don't read about, but there's probably four or 500 companies uh, that supply SpaceX and supply JPL and supply Grumman and, uh, you know, all the companies that make components that go into space. And it is, it is, it lacks a lot of money and we're thinking about it all wrong because it's, it's not something that can be done nationally. It just can't, it has to be done as a planet. So, so I see that you're wearing a Space Force hat, and uh, obviously that was big news uh, a couple of years ago. The formation of Space Force. Uh, what there's this whole belief. Some people think it's about battling aliens, but other people believe it's about, you know, once again human conflict, but in space in our atmosphere what is your whole take on space force and what it represents there there are actually four aspects to it i have three chapters on it and the the aspects are this as i said there's a lot of acquisitions and mergers going on uh with equipment that's being put up gps satellites uh internet satellites communication satellites and they're get, the satellites are getting smaller and they're getting more uniform and they're using linux and a lot of open source stuff to build them you know and make them work they're using you know arduino stuff and they're using um you know generic circuitry the number one issue that the reason the Space Force was built or put together was driven by uh, a team of generals, some of whom I met with in Fort Bragg, who were very concerned about cybersecurity. And so Space Force was built to try to, because if you make everything encrypted, then you can't incorporate somebody else's satellite into your system. So like if Starlink buys up uh the other uh, internet company that went broke, they won't be able to assimilate their satellites because they all run on different software, but they don't. They all run on the same software. So Space Force was put in place to prevent cyber piracy. Cyber piracy is a big, huge, multi-trillion dollar deal. Oh, because if a, if a, if a, if China or Russia or some rogue player could take control of some satellites or a satellite or a, anything in space and turn it into a wrecking ball, it would, it would millions of people would die because we now rely on those satellite links to run. So that's the primary purpose. The second was to uh, give an overall space superiority so that it protects satellites against physical attack, but also protects the Earth. So the Space Force is primarily to govern that system so that as space becomes weaponized, and it already is, but in a small way, as it becomes weaponized, it becomes basically friendly to the United States. We don't we don't want a war in space any more than anybody does. But if we do have war, we want to win. And that's why Space Force was put in place. The third is for beyond 
the earth into what we call cislunar space. And I think there's a consensus that we're not alone. And so if some other foreign player that's already here or may arrive at a later time wants to take us on, we need to be able to maneuver and fight in space. And so about 30% of the graduates of the, of the air force Academy are going into space force. It's, it's not a small deal. It's a big deal. Pilots and fuelers and uh, medicine is completely different in zero gravity. All that has to be uh, trained. Oh yeah. It's all different in, in zero gravity. You don't clot the same, you don't (laughs) lead the same. It's, it's, and I don't even want to tell you the experiments that have been done in zero gravity to learn those things, but the animals suffered. Let me tell you. Wow. Uh, and the Just fifth. Like Johnny's uh, farm. Go on. <laughs> the fourth reason is uh, to to create some kind of unity or unity of purpose for the Earth itself as we go forward to other planets, to Mars, and and to that. Because the last thing we want is you know, two ships racing to Mars for some, you know, treasure of, uh, well, for instance, we've identified a, a an asteroid that has so much platinum as part of its makeup that if it were hauled back to Earth, it would totally destroy our economy. I mean, money would be meaningless. It's worth something like, I don't know, $800 trillion just by itself. It would be, it would just take all the rarity of that away. But... The good news is that asteroids like that can be lowered to Mars and can be used quite effectively to make industry on Mars. But here's the deal. And it's going to happen because we've already seen it or foreseen it, I guess. If a woman gets pregnant on Mars, that child is a Martian. It is never coming back to Earth. (laughs) Really? Never? They won't let it back? It can't. No, it's a seven-month trip. By the time that baby returns here, it will not be able to stand up on our planet. Damn. No, I never thought about that. What's its gender? Well, on Mars, they have four billion genders. <laughs> uh, 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 okay. So that I didn't know that. So have you ever heard that? I, I want to get into the national... And world conflicts, because I'd love to hear your take on all this, but what's going on with everything right now. And, but have you ever heard the theory that space is liquid? Have you ever heard that? Well, we used to think it was ether, that the, there was a, a theory that the, the speed of light was not constant, that if you shot the speed of light or shot a laser uh perpendicular to Earth's orbit or with Earth's orbit that light would actually be traveling at different speeds. And Einstein's uh, special theory of relativity put that to rest, said, no, light's going to run at its uh, given speed, and then the bodies relative to that will change, and that's where the Doppler effects come in. We we go by it right now. We use it as a Bible because we've done so many empirical measurements that have proven that that is in fact the case that light is the speed limit of the universe for at least photons uh things like gravity however and electromagnetism move much faster than that we can't even measure how fast 
And, and so there are aspects of what we call the standard model. The standard model is like a matrix mathematics and we have formulas that we work with and, and we don't like answers like infinity or zero. So we put constants and fudge factors into the standard model to give us answers that we think make sense to us. Um, but that being said, we're pretty sure that other things in the universe go faster than the speed of light. Oh, snap. And we, we, we haven't, we know, for instance, that spooky action at a distance is instantaneous, relatively speaking. It's subspace somehow. We know the gravity, because uh, we've done this thought experiment gazillions of times, and it comes out the same every time. Uh, but when it comes to light, when it comes to photons of light, that wave particle duality pretty much on the on the money spooky action is my favorite term of 2022 <laughs> by the way. um so we live in a world right now with a lot of conflict um between governments between uh, political uh, ideas podcast hosts podcast hosts uh <laughs> chaos on youtube all sorts of stuff it just seems like it's everywhere all the time what are your thoughts on that there's really only two forces. Like, there's really only two parties. There are patriots and traitors. That's all there is to it. Uh, forget, forget about Republicans oh, yeah. and Democrats. That's to totally irrelevant. Um, what's going on in the world right now? What we're what we're witnessing right now is a battle between what I call the global syndicate. I wrote four books about this. The global syndicate is ancient. It's been around since since you know before Rome. It is a force that is led by a timeless entity could be a Nephilim. I'm not sure. Oh but. man, now we're in it. Scientists, they in, got, uh, we got real people saying Nephilim yeah, now. Yeah, yeah <laughs> no, it's, I'm, I'm serious. Cause we have enough evidence to, to know that these, at least a few of these fellows are still around because we look at the continuity of thought and we study what's called philology. Philology is a study of the formation of language. And we see this continuity of philology going back six, 7,000 years. That's not possible. Not possible. If it were individuals doing it, there would be subtle differences in the language, and there aren't. It's the same being. So now what's going on is uh, some people, significant numbers of people have, have awakened and realized that Somebody's trying to take over the world. So this being is trying to take over the world. Why is the big reason? Because it's not our bodies that they want. They don't care anything about wiping our butts. They don't care anything about feeding us or whether we have health care or education. None of that. The only thing they care about is our souls. That's the value. Because we are a different being than they are. They have extremely long lifespans. We have short lifespans, but many of them. And we, we grow, and we, our trajectory of growth is, is to become literally like the Creator Himself. We are children of the Creator, and the, the rage against that is, is universal. So that's the war we're fighting. And right now, there are three main forces on the earth that are, are, are fighting it out. Uh, we have the CCP, which is the Chinese Communist Party. We have Russia, which is a very ancient uh, race, and we have the United States, which 
has already fallen. The United States already been taken over. It can be, it can be gotten back, but right now it's in total possession of the global syndicate. They run it. So there's a proxy war going on right now using Russia and of course the people of Ukraine against us, against the middle class of the United States. It's designed to destroy us. It's not hurting Russia. It is not hurting them at all. It is designed to choke us to death like they did in 1928. And they're very close to doing it. They're very close to doing it. I think this is fascinating, everything you're saying right now. And it is something that I believe in. And, you know, there are a bunch of people out there. And I don't think there's as many as them and many of them as we are led to believe, but there's a small group of well-funded, and I must say it, I call them American ISIS, okay, because they are radicals that are well-funded to disrupt and destroy from the inside uh, and to cause chaos. And a lot of them are what Malcolm X talked about, Unabomber talked about, the Sam speaking, nobody else, but they talked about this very rich class that is very dangerous. And you have these people, and we're seeing it happen in California in real time. We have these politicians who keep getting voted in by this upper class who has money to basically insulate them from their, their, their voting policies. And they can vote idealistically because they're never going to feel it. And now we have people in Beverly Hills going, the crime is everywhere. Well, yeah, it's always been everywhere. It's finally they got, they've gotten the balls to go into your neighborhood. And now you're dealing with the problem that your voting has caused. And it's happened in San Francisco and happened in L.A. And it's starting to trickle down in, into Orange County and San Diego. And these are policies that are being put. We are seeing in New York City these policies. So it's being done through the inside. Some people call it cultural Marxism. It's now been rebranded as environmental social governance. And it's being done purposely. You cannot go, like what happened with the Bolshevik Revolution. You cannot go into ar Russia with an army. You have to destroy from the inside. And that is what's happening. So as you talk, as a scientist, you've gotten a little bit spiritual there. What are your thoughts on everything? Is this a spiritual war? Are we in a spiritual war for our souls right now? Well, you brought up a very good point, so let me qualify it just a little bit here. When, as scientists, we look at the universe, boil it down to four basic forces, okay? We have gravity, we have electromagnetism, we have the strong and weak molecular forces. That's the ruler by which we have measured our universe. But what we realize is we keep coming up short. We keep having unanswered questions, unanswered uh, correlations between the very small, the quantum, and the very large, the macro or planets and solar systems and galaxies, etc. There's a lot of missing pieces. So we've made up some stuff. We made up dark energy and dark matter out of, out of whole cloth and some things we understand, some things we don't understand. And we realized, and I, my, my uh, colleagues are coming around to this now. Ahmed Goswami was probably one of the very first guys to scientifically really 
with his credibility and I was emeritus uh, to say things like this, but we were now realize that consciousness is a force in the universe. And very recently, like in the last two or three years, we have resolved that consciousness is actually the primary causative or downward causative force that makes the other forces uh, real. And we have a hard time with this because we can't measure consciousness. We can't weigh it. We can't uh, determine its resistance or its voltage or anything like that. But we can see the results of it. And so this brings us to the results of what's going on on the planet right now and why it is so important. The, the sovereignty of the human soul is the most valuable thing in the universe. That The energy that we put off, and I'm not talking about heat or anything like that. I'm talking about a, a quanta of energy called glory. It's hard for people to understand. It's hard for me to understand sometimes. But glory is a very valuable thing in the universe. And we're the ones with it. We can give it to whomever or whatever we want to. God wants it, and so does Lucifer. They want it. It's valuable to them. And when we glorify them, they can do immensely powerful things. Like, for instance, you say these organizations are very well-funded. From what? They make money. They create it with magic. They just stir a wand, and there's money. We don't know where it comes from. It probably comes from drug trafficking, human trafficking at its core, but... Money is money is meaningless. Money is just a dust. The real value is us. We're the real value on the earth. People, live mortal people, we are the value. Gold is rare, yes, but what we do with our minds and with our hands, that's the real value. And that's what they want control over. So, And there are countries that have said, we're not going to be controlled. And Russia is one of them. And Russia's, as I said, very ancient. Nothing you can do can harm them. And they're laughing at all this. My friends in Russia are rich as hell right now because oil, which is their main export, about 60% of their economy is based on it. They're making money like they've never made money before. And they're not doing what the CCP did. They're not building ghost cities with the money. They're making their people rich and the people love it you're a very interesting man brooks because i i love having this conversation with you because it's you blend the spiritual with the science and i think that's very important i don't think they can be separated to tell you the truth and if you do separate it you become an idiot I, 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 I totally agree. And there's, I like the glory thing is very interesting to me. So I'm going to ask you a question. I don't want to keep you forever, but what is ether? Well, the ether was sort of a, a mist or a, a, a mass uh, fog of the universe. And it was, it was, the original thought was that everything was kind of hung in it. And then we got away from that. We said, nope, the emptiness of space and all that. But we realize that gravity does not have the f- force to stretch across the expanse of space. It just doesn't. We know the math of gravity. It, it 
decreases with the square of the distance, and these distances are just too immense for gravity to be involved. And yet, galaxies and superclusters of galaxies are, in fact, revolving around it. We have a binary star ourselves in Sirius. It's a long ways from here, but it's been in the same place for 11,500 years. How could we possibly be orbiting around Sirius unless there was an electromagnetic component to the universe, an electric universe? That supersedes the idea of an ether in space. But that's why we had to have the idea, because we could see the motion of planets, and it didn't make sense to us. It's so interesting. It's just such a complex thing. I try to think about it, just my brain can't wrap around it. And it's just like, I know what, what, you mean. what is out there is so much more complex, and what the world is is so much more complex. And it's, 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 it's very, very interesting. It's very interesting. So the final question is, Russia, I've always, I, I, you know, there's talks about Tataria, there's talks about, you know, uh, Kazaria and all this stuff, and uh, what Tataria represent, what what Russia represents a very it's 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 why this global sect that you talk about that's kind of been running the United States into a ground. Why they love China but they hate Russia. What what is that about? And like what Russia represents, and you see a lot of people. Um, thinking about a lot of stuff going on. And I, I, I too believe it's red scare stuff. Russia's hacking the election. Russia's causing all this gas prices. And I don't think people are buying into it anymore. No, it, we have revolutions in America. That's why, uh, that's how we were established, but our revolutions take place at the ballot box. We've always tried to get as informed as we can. We go to the ballot box and we, we revolt. Right. We vote for somebody else. We fire the people that are in office and we choose somebody else. But when Americans lose faith in their election system, like they go to vote and the vote doesn't count or somebody changes it or somebody dumps a bunch of counterfeit votes in the system, <laughs> then 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 the revolution gets serious. It takes on a different form. And I think we're at the point now where um, the more part of the people are saying, wait a minute, I don't think they cheated in 2020. I think they cheated in 2016 and 2012 and 2004 and 2000. And I think they've been cheating for a long time. I agree and I with think, that. I think what happened this time is they wanted to win no matter what. So they took the bus to the finish line. <laughs> and then they got the... There's four aspects to the global syndicate before I get away from it. The first and biggest one and most powerful one today is the global media empire. You and I, we're not part of that. We, we are, you and me and others like us, we are the mainstream media. We are the mainstream. The fake stream news is owned by the global media empire. That's six rich white guys and three media giants. That's it. That's all the global syndicate in, in as far as the media goes then you got a military political and a financial division of the global syndicate the world economic forum the ccp and of course uh what i call the establishment party in the united states which is all the democrats and a good portion of the republicans to boot 
And and once people become aware of that, it's sort of like they put the sunglasses on for the first time and they they see all the zombies for who they really are. Now you know what to do. Now you know what to do. You know how to go and vote. What we have to do in the next, well, five weeks, five weeks the election starts, we have to secure our election system so they can't cheat. It just has to be done. And do you see them making, I I think, because again, this is a conspiracy podcast proudly, and I get a lot of information about all these things that like states like Arizona, uh, uh, Georgia, all these states are doing, but it's never talked about on a national level because again, what you're talking about is they don't want anybody to know this stuff is happening. Yeah, well, let's get three things straight right away. There are no such thing as blue states. That is a, that's totally fake. There are blue cities, but there are not blue states. I agree with that. I think California's that. That being said, LA is California, Chicago is Illinois, Atlanta is Georgia. It's just the way it is because of the way the, the population lays. Inside a state, you have a democracy. There is no federal election. No such thing. It doesn't exist. You only have state elections. And then what they do is they contribute representatives to a federal electoral college, and then that's tallied. There is no federal election. The federal government does not run elections. It's all run by states. Right now, there are 27 Republican states. There are 20 Democrat states, and there are three that are hard to tell. And really, there are no blue states only blue cities. So what these states have to do is figure out because they're as big as countries. Now they need to figure out a way to do an electoral college inside their state. I met with the senators of Arizona and Nevada a year ago, and we discussed this. They're aware of it. They know about it, but there are forces that are, unbelievable that are that are working underneath the scenes i mean deadly forces and i don't know why they can't get a hold of them the good news is that that arizona is going to use what's called a tamper-proof ballot paper and they have actually made trips to all the other 49 states to ask them to use this same paper company that way there can't be any counterfeit ballots no more ballots are us dropping ballots, you know, at three o'clock in the morning into the counting system. That can't happen. An audit will find those papers and can come out. I don't know if they're being successful doing that. And I've talked to Mark Brnovich and I've talked to, uh, you know, uh, uh, I can't remember the other name of the senators in, in Nevada and Arizona, but I've spoken to them face to face, like two feet away from their face, shaking hands over it. And they're afraid. They're afraid of this whole thing. Something has got them scared for their lives. I think it's literally scared for their lives. That's what it is. I mean, this is the game, and it's just going to... I mean, revolution is coming. It's either going to be peaceful or it's going to be violent. I think people... And a big... You know, you look at the rest of the states... Like yeah. You think it's just straight L.A. versus Texas type of thing? No, well, no, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know. Maybe. I, I think, I don't think, I, I don't think there's enough on the progressive left to make it at all a war. I think, you know, 
what Brooks is talking about is like, yeah, there, I, I don't think there's a lot of super pro- progressives. They're just well-funded, and through things like Twitter and Facebook, they get promoted yeah. to the front, so everyone thinks they're really big. C- cancel culture is a lie. It's corporations trying to make this small group of people come off as powerful when they're not. At all. An example is that Joe Rogan. If Spotify would have canceled Joe Rogan, everyone would be like, cancel culture is real. But they didn't because they understand he's but the most powerful person sorry. in talking. Go on. Don't you think, though, that there is a large group that is easily whipped up into a frenzy by the left? I like, don't like, think like there's big. Like those groups that burned our city. I mean, dude, we saw our city burn. Yeah. That was a lot of fucking yeah, people, man. That was only a few people. I don't think it's a lot of people, Johnny. Oh, we, saw, we saw them. I really don't. I don't we think saw them it's in the a, streets. I don't, but I don't. But it's enough to cause real problems. It's enough to cause real problems because people didn't want to push back. But like I was talking today with Brian Callen, it's like when people show up with guns, people calm down. Well, it also They're, depends on who runs the government at the time, too, right? The, that's the, right. Yeah. That's right. Because it's, 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 police are told to stay home. And the firefighters are told, just let it burn to the ground. And you got people like uh, Kamala Harris and others saying, yeah, go out there and do your thing yeah. and we'll bail you out. If you get arrested, we'll bail you out. Then, then yes, you, you're going to see that on the news. But I agree. I agree with Johnny that, that we need to put the people that we had in Washington, D.C. on January 6th, we need to put those in our cities. And we need to watch our elections like a hawk. I think people are waking up to it. I think there's a lot of people who don't want to believe that it could be rigged that much. It's very interesting. And I think people who, I, I, and I agree with you, it's Democrats and, and Republicans. I, I, but I also look at it as like, I just call it the George Bush death cult. It's like this group of that, go, <laughs> that covers both right and left, uh, R's and D's. And they all just... Uh, and it's just pro wrestling that really it's just globalism. And Canada is learning that right now. Canada is learning that the WEF has penetrated their government and their, their government is making rules that nobody wants. And they're ju- and it's just going to be, here's the thing about America as Europe begins to burn, as all these other countries start to really rise up. I mean, can do you guys see what just happened in China? They Thanks. took their personal bank accounts and said, Oh, these aren't your savings. This is investments, and we're not allowing you right. to pull your money out. Did you see that? Yeah, amazing. And right. then they put tanks in front of the building to make sure that didn't happen. Yeah. I mean, it's... it's that credit score. It's that credit score is coming in. To take your money away, you can't use your money. You can't Sri buy Lanka yep. is now using the COVID uh, ID app that was just to make sure. Now it's telling you how much gas you can buy, when you can buy it. Well, you told people, stop taking the fucking test. Yeah, I'm telling you right now, dude. I'm telling you. So I'm really into everything you're saying on that. I I, I personally believe in a spirituality that we're winning, that if they had their way, we'd all have 9,000 uh, booster shots. We'd have uh, uh, barcodes on our foreheads. <laughs> and, uh, we, you know, none of us would be having kids because we'd all be drag queens. And uh, I, I don't think they're winning. I think we are winning, but... It, it just uh, animal when it's cornered and it looks like it's going to have to fight for its life gets really yeah. nasty. Well, and- we're just trying to have patience and we're saying, okay, we'll get you in November. But you know, if, if for instance, the Democrats don't lose 70 seats, but they gain 10 seats, 
there's going to be a revolt. Absolutely. It's not going to last. It's not going to work. I mean, I, I fear for the country if that happens, these States and the state legislatures and the people in the States have to get control of their election system. They have to. Well, I have real faith when I see like San Francisco, you know, kick out their DA, kick out yeah. the most uh, extremes on their school board. I mean, that's San Francisco. I think L.A. and New York will be the last ones because they have these industries that allow rich kids to stay rich and not feel the But it's coming, dude. It's coming. And the rest of the country is not relating to what these two cities are doing. I mean, I'm being honest with you, man. I'll end it here. It's like I've been doing stand-up lately. The crowds in L.A. are the worst I've seen them in 25 years. Oh really? Like how? They they don't get sarcasm. Everything's literal and anything that is at all provocative is seen as offensive and they shut down. They laugh at simple like it is a America's got talent crowd. <laughs> That's who we're entertaining right now. America American Idol, America's got talent, whatever crap is on True TV, right? That's what they're laughing at. And nothing's provocative anymore and the comics don't want to push it with them. They just want to feed into it. And it's just this cycle of a snake eating its tail. Those people left. Those people left California. <laughs> All the outlaws are yeah, gone. They left. Gone. And I think people are waking up to it. And I just, I refuse. Uh, I refuse to kowtow to the stupid. I just won't do it anymore in this show. And people like you, Brooks, are like why people gravitate to this show. And even though... We're not. I'm not allowed on any of the other guys' big podcasts to promote myself. My YouTube channel has been shadow banned. This show continues to grow. People still love it and find it because it, it is food for your brain and food for your thoughts and your soul. Yeah. And that's what it is. So, Brooks, I appreciate you coming on my show today. It was a wonderful conversation. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Can you one more time tell our listeners where they can find you and uh, yeah. promote any books you want to be promoted? Sure. Uh, well, the, the books are easy to find on Amazon. Just put my name in. I'm trying to push the birth trilogy right now. We're trying to convert that into a TV series. So we're pitching that right now. Any help you can give would be most appreciated. Uh my website is Brooks Agnew, all one word, brooksagnew.com, brooksagnew.com. Go there. Everything I'm doing, everything I write, uh, my radio program is linked there. All my uh, books are linked there. My philosophy, if you want to learn about me, that's the place to go. All right. Appreciate you coming on the show. It was a wonderful conversation. I'd love to talk to you more down the line about your on the economy your free trade all that stuff because uh i align right up with you i i think the big lie was that we had to send them away so they could afford to make stuff you're like nope that's a, just a big bs i mean in the 80s everybody was making money what are we talking about here stop acting like that you i mean in 2019 we were all looking forward to the roaring 20s because they were going to be the roaring 20s everybody was making money i was looking forward to it yeah i mean dude there uh, we have a guy who's sending out our oil to other countries purposefully okay and i know that word isn't real and i just make that up but that is my word and i'm gonna be honest with you that's what's happening and i think people are waking up to it today. So once again, Brooks, thanks for coming on. We look forward to uh, talking to you again. And uh, hey, 
Hope to see you guys in San Francisco. Hope to see you at the next Comedy Chaos. Go samtriple.com for all of your all the tickets to my live shows. And I'm starting to put together road shows, so look out to I'm coming near you to a city near you. Thank you guys awesome. for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Take care. We go deep, homeboy. Eric, open your mind. Drink from the fountain of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. That's some interdimensional shit. Wake up, Aaron. This is only the beginning. Dude, you just blew my mind. Tim foil hat, Tim foil hat, Tim foil hat.